Hello, hello. Happy whatever day it is that you're listening to this. Hopefully it's Monday because, you know, it's always good to listen on Main Character Monday. But if it's not, I won't hold it against you. So this week we have a very exciting episode. It is a very special episode to me. I know I feel like I say that every week, um, but I really do love this show and I really do love the people I have on it and I really do love the opportunity to get to talk to you guys about these topics. So um, this week my friend Morgan is on with me and we are talking about basically just like the past year of her life. And some of the topics we discuss are alcoholism, um, briefly speak about drug addiction, but not her, just people she encountered um, in rehab. And we talk about rehab and we talk about sobriety and we talk about what life looks like at 26 to be sober. And we talk about bipolar disorder and mental health and COVID-19 and being a nurse. And we talk about a lot of really just awesome topics that I know a lot of people aren't talking about. Um, One that I was really excited to talk about is sobriety, because for a lot of people in their 20s, that is just as taboo of a topic as mental health is. Um, I don't know why. I don't love it. I... I made the decision um, after my 25th birthday that I was going to stop drinking, maybe not forever, but at least for a good period of time to give myself more of an opportunity to focus on my mental health. It's been a month now and I feel so amazing. And I obviously, my story is very different from Morgan's. You guys will get to hear more about why she decided to become sober and like all this stuff and you'll hear more about her journey in the episode but we were just talking about it and it made us both like kind of frustrated and upset that there are so many people in their 20s 30s older and even younger actually that don't feel like they can have a life without alcohol um and you can (laughs) it really is not that difficult and honestly you will feel so much better so Just because you're in your 20s doesn't mean you need to be going out every night and having a drink. And I'm not trying to shame people for drinking. Absolutely keep living your life. But if you're someone that struggles with your mental health to begin with, you have to understand the impact alcohol has on it. And if you really want a fighting shot at mending your mental health and starting to feel better, cutting out alcohol might be just the way to do that. Again, you might not need to cut it out forever, but for a month or two months, it could really help your mental health. I already feel a thousand times better than what I did a month ago. Um, so anyway, we'll do what we've been doing. I will give us a minute to kind of ground ourselves and get started before this episode. Um, and then we'll kick things off. So wherever you are, take a deep breath, close your eyes, unless you're in a car, you know, then do whatever you need to do, but take a deep breath. And then from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes, do a full body scan. Relax your forehead, relax your cheeks, relax your jaw, your shoulders, your neck, your chest, your stomach, your legs, your hips, you know, whatever whatever you need to relax all the way down to the tip of your toes. Relax it all. Take a couple cleansing breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth. And now you are ready to start your day, and we are ready to kick off this episode. So without further ado... Morgan and I'm an alcoholic. 
Hi, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's why I don't speak. That's why you don't at speak. AA meetings. Yeah. Unless you... I have to, because I'm afraid I'm going to stumble over my words. Oh, it's okay if you stumble over your words here, because I stumble over my words in every fucking episode, and I just leave it in because I don't care. <laughs> so, hello, everyone. This is Morgan. Hey. Morgan, as we've just heard, is an alcoholic. <laughs> and she has so graciously offered and decided that she feels comfortable enough with me to sit down and talk about her experience with mental health, her diagnosis of bipolar, and her experience in getting sober and going to rehab. So we have a lot to cover, but I Mm -hmm. want to start right from the beginning. (laughs) Where, like, were you at? What was going on in your life that made you decide that you wanted to seek help for your mental health and considered going to rehab? Okay, so I think it was, I think I said it was like April of 2021, and I was just having a really hard time. Um, I was supposed to be on medication that I wasn't taking, so that was not helping at all. Um, I was working in a bar, I was drinking a ton, um, and it just became really super unmanageable which I didn't realize until I actually got to rehab. So I had like basically like a mental breakdown on like a random Friday yeah. driving home. And I just like cried my whole way home. I got home, I was home alone and I just like laid in bed and just cried and you know, I like didn't know what was going on. I was terrified. Um, I didn't know what I was gonna do because I know that I felt suicidal and so my mom actually ended up calling me and she was like, you're scaring me, like I'm gonna come up to Frederick and I'm gonna pick you up and you're gonna just at least spend the night. So that's what she did. And I went to her house, I spent a couple days there and she ended up calling around for me to try and find like a place to get me into. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I, you know, I was just like, I was really struggling with my mental health and I was suicidal and I didn't know that alcohol and drugs was playing a part yeah and why I was feeling the way I was feeling mm-hmm. um, so when she found I went to Ashley addiction treatment in Harvard of Grace Maryland and when she found that place I was like you know I was kind of I was kind of scared because I was like I don't I'm gonna go here like this is a place for addiction like I don't want to stop drinking yeah so I got there And, you know, it took me a couple weeks to actually realize that alcohol was a big part of my issue. So I'm really glad that I ended up going there specifically rather than just like a, you know, like a mental hospital. (laughs) So prior to this, what you've referenced as like a little bit of a breakdown, had you struggled with mental health prior to that? Or was that kind of your first experience that was like, okay, shit, this is different? Or... You know, what What did your life look like prior to that experience leading up to that? Yeah, so I have struggled with mental health m- ever since I can remember, like since I was a same. teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I've been seeing the same psychiatrist for, like I said, I think probably 10 or 11 years. Okay. Um, and I mean, as soon as I like hit like my teenage years, I was struggling with depression and anxiety. And it just never got easier. (laughs) I mean, like you have like, you know, good times, bad times, like it comes in waves, but I just never was really able to figure out like exactly what my deal was. Yeah. Yeah. 
so getting sober really helped with that. Yeah, well, good. So once you, you know, had that weekend with your mom and she found a spot for you at Ashley, what did that process look like of entering rehab and where was your mindset at? Because that's, that's scary, not just for you, but I'm sure for everyone in that position. But like, what was your mindset like? What was that experience like leaving your apartment, your family and checking yourself into this rehab facility? I was terrified. Um, so actually, when I found Ashley, um, I had to do like a whole like intake interview over the phone about like, you know, my mental health and my drug and alcohol abuse and all of that. Um, and they didn't have a bed for me for probably like a week and a half. Okay. So I just like stayed at my mom's because like, I like didn't trust myself like in my own apartment. Okay. Like being alone, um, like having access to like alcohol and mm -hmm. just like, you know, doing whatever the hell I was doing. Yeah. Um, so I stayed at my mom's for like a week and a half. Um, I came back to my apartment to like pack my stuff. And I think I actually... The night before I left, I came to say bye to Maddie, because um, obviously it was a month-long program, so I wasn't going to see her for a while. Yeah. Um, and Maddie, Maddie is your roommate. Yes. Okay. My roommate. Sorry. Uh, um, and so my mom, like I, I think there was like an admit time of like 10 a.m. So I had to be there by 10. So my mom drove me, and I was just like crying the whole way there. Yeah. Because I was obviously scared. Like I'm going to be in a strange place. I've never been to this part of Maryland before. I don't know what the hell to expect, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm going to be gone for almost a month. So I was freaking terrified and she drove me there. It's like an hour and a half drive and because of COVID, she couldn't come in with me. So she basically just had to drop me off at like the circle, at like the admission yeah. door. And I just like cried and hugged her for like five minutes. That was like, probably really hard. It was so hard. I was terrified and like, you know, you go in and they just ask you a bunch of questions and I was yeah I was really scared um it was really hard so so your mom drops you off and she's in the little circle in front and then you walk into this this facility that I'm assuming you've never really been inside of before mm, nope <laughs> and what did what did that feel like stepping into that I know you said it was scary but like what when you walked in like what was that experience after walking through that door do they immediately grab you and go hey let's get you into a session or is it like hey have some time to kind of meet everybody and get moved in like what's that experience like so actually because of covid so the first thing that they do um is they like ask you a bunch of questions and get like all of your insurance information and everything set up um and then you do like a i mean they strip search you and strip search yeah Fun. <laughs> Um, so it's like a, it's a couple hours of them just like asking you a bunch of like questions about your, you know, drinking and drug habits and your mental health and all this kind of stuff. And then because of COVID, I had to, so they tested me for COVID and then they put you in like your own room, um, on campus for until your results came back. Gotcha. So, so like a little bit of a quarantine. Yeah. And it's a quarantine, but it's also like basically a detox. So they're like monitoring like your vital signs and like how you're doing like basically every two hours. So I was getting like wow. woken up like throughout the night, like constantly. Um, I mean, they would like knock on your door and ask if you wanted to come outside and just like get some fresh air. Um, but I was there for like, I think two or three days um, just in that room by myself. And I just like, I cried a lot. Yeah. I slept a lot. Um, and, and I'm it, assuming you don't have a phone. So actually during the quarantine period, you can have electronics. Okay. Um, so and as soon as your test comes back, they take 
you know, with your laptop, your phone, et cetera, whatever you brought with you. Um, and it, it really like, it's almost like a little bit invasive because they have to, obviously they have to search like your luggage and yeah. they took like a bunch of my clothes because I guess they didn't think it was like appropriate. appropriate Cause like some, th some things were obviously like a little bit cropped or interesting. You know, I, I think it actually, I had a sweatshirt of Maddie's um, that they took because it had like a bar's name on it. No um, way. Yeah. Did they, did they just take it while you were there? You got it back when you left though, right? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You got everything back when, but they you're, just be, were when like, you're being hey, discharged. Maybe like don't rep a bar around. Yeah. A which honestly was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I was like, Maddie, I need to take a piece of you yeah. like to rehab, like give me something and probably wasn't the best choice of sweaters to take, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so then when like my test came back, they were like, you're, you're going out into the community today. And I was like, great. <laughs> um, like I made all like my phone calls real quick. I was like, I'm not gonna have my phone. Like I'll, you know, I, they have phones there that you only get like a certain amount of, um, phone time each day. Yeah. And I was like, I'll call you guys. I'll talk to you when I can. And they sent me out and that was it. Wow. So, so after this quarantine period ended for you and you were able to go out into the community, what did the the program or the process look like inside of there? Was it like daily meetings? Like what, how did they assist you in getting to the point of acknowledging your relationship with alcohol and that it was unhealthy and how they supported your further development, I guess, of your mental health? Yeah, so it's actually, it's a very like, they have you on a strict routine basically. Okay. Um, you have to be, so if you're on any type of medication, um, you have to get your medication from like the nurse's station by a certain point in the morning. I think it was like 7.45 or something like that. Okay. They do med pass. Um, so you have to wake up and make sure that you're there to get your meds in the morning. Um, obviously there's like a cafeteria and everything. Um, and I think the first like thing that they have like, like schedules like each day were pretty similar. It was just like like the times were similar, like the activities and like the lectures, like what they were about were like mm -hmm. different every day, or almost every day. <laughs> um, so I think the first thing that you had to be like in attendance for was like 8.45 in gotcha. the morning. And then that would be like, you know, like an hour and then you would have like a little bit of a break. And then um, they have, they give you like some free time to like use the gym or like do um, just like any type of like recreational activity. Yeah. Um, and they have, like scheduled like art classes and <laughs> which I can't stand because I'm the least artistic person ever. I was gonna say, did you learn how to paint? I, it's funny because I tell everyone this, like I, I hate art, I really do. I don't find it therapeutic, I'm not artistic. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> I like, there was one day where I was just really genuinely having a bad day and I was sitting in like one of these art classes and the art teacher had like given us an assignment. She was like, you know, she was very, very sweet and bless her heart because I just, like I just looked at this piece of paper and like whatever, I think it was, we were like painting something. I was like, you know what? I said, I was like, I can't do this today. I was like, can I please be excused? I like, go. I was like, I can I please just, I'm gonna go somewhere and just like journal or something. I was like, I just don't, this is not therapeutic for me. It's frustrating because I am not artistic yeah. and I don't wanna be here. Like that. not the best attitude to have, but like. I'm, but at the same time, not every type of therapy is going to work for exactly. every person and it's okay that maybe art therapy isn't for you art therapy was not for me <laughs> and neither was drumming therapy because that oh. was also a thing that okay. i also managed to dodge the what first kind of three weeks drumming like i'm trying like to literally imagine. like hand drums like they would like, like bongos 
basically. I like, love, yeah. I love they that. would like literally like you would sit in a circle. I managed to dodge drumming three out of the four weeks that I was there. Good. I don't know how. Nice. Um, but the last week they were just like, okay, like just humor us and just go in. So I did. And I was just so salty because I just, like, I didn't find it therapeutic, but I, whatever, I went in and I tried my best. Um, but yeah, drumming are, the one thing that I did love doing was making bracelets. Oh, fun. So I made a lot of bracelets. That so was fun. Um, I actually worked out. They had like, they have personal trainers there that will like um, create like a routine for you. Cool. Um, so that was cool. And I'm trying to think what else. So they had like the lectures. Um, are kind of just like each day they have like a different like topic as far as like drugs and alcohol okay and they would have um, they have these things called clinical aids that are people that a lot of them are previous patients that got sober and then came back to work gotcha and so I was in what what they call the emerging emerging adult program um, so a lot of these people were around my age, like maybe a little bit younger, a little bit older, but sometimes they would come in and talk about their experience. That would be like one of the lectures or they would come in and like host like an activity about like, you know, addiction and alcoholism or mental health or whatever. Um, but I found it really, like I always found it really helpful and really interesting to hear From someone's story yeah. that had been through the same program. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, you know, it was also like around my age. I just, I always yeah. found that super interesting and super helpful. And those were like my favorite ones. Well, and that's exactly why I wanted to have you on the show because I understand that there are probably a lot of people in their twenties that go out and drink and take drugs and think, oh, it's my twenties is what I'm supposed to do. And it's not that it's bad if you do that, but there is a fine line in the sand mm -hmm. that we can't always see where it very quickly goes from, hey, I'm having fun with my friends to, hey, this is a problem. Yeah. Um, and earlier you had mentioned to me when we were talking before recording that there was something that was said in one of those lectures or sessions that was kind of a light bulb moment for you. Yeah. And I know you had said you can't totally remember what it was exactly that was said, but can you speak a little bit on like that moment and what that was like for you and when you kind of like, had that realization of, okay, this is why I'm here and this is gonna benefit me and like life is gonna look different moving forward. Yeah, so like I said, when I went in, like I just, I didn't know like what was going on with me, I didn't know what my problem was, I didn't, I, for the first week I was there, I was like, you know, I don't even really know if alcohol is my problem. I was having a really hard time coming to terms with the fact that I wasn't ever gonna be able to have a drink ever again because my life revolved around it. it yeah. Like I, yeah, so, um, I had made a friend there and we, like I told you before, we had stayed up late one night talking and she was probably five years younger than me. And, um, we stayed up talking one night about, you know, like how, we, how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to never go out to the bars ever again? Never yeah. go out and party ever again. Never drink, never do this, never do that. We're just like sitting there, like going back and forth. Like, the, like, how are we going to do this? Like, I can't do that. Yeah. And I think it, if it wasn't the next day, it was like two days later that I had that like lecture. And I think it was a psychologist that was giving us like a like a small lecture. And again, like I said, I couldn't remember what he said. But when he said it, I just it was a light bulb moment. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I can do this. Like, let me put all those negative thoughts aside. Like, this is possible. I'm going to do this because if I don't, 
you know, I'm going to continue to run my life into the ground. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be suicidal. I'm going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get anywhere in life. Like, I was so tired of living the way that I was living. I was so unhappy. Nothing brought me joy. And that is why I think that I was drinking so much because I thought that was bringing me joy. Yeah. When really it was not the case at all. Which unfortunately isn't uncommon. Yeah. It's not uncommon for someone to kind of try to fill a void in their life with alcohol or food or really anything. And that truly is how addiction starts Mm -hmm. is you have this feeling you feel like you're chasing. And if you find something that gives you that feeling, you're not going to want to let it go. Um, So you were in this rehab facility for how many weeks? Uh, It was 28 days. It's 28 days. Mm -hmm. So you're in there for 28 days. You come out. What was that experience like for you, leaving that facility and kind of walking out into this new world, 28 days sober? What was that experience like for you? I was really nervous. I was really scared. I obviously was very excited to leave because, (laughs) like, I don't, like, I was tired of sleeping in a twin bed and yeah. sharing a bathroom with this strange 50 year old lady that I had never met before <laughs> and eating this nasty food every day like you know I was ready to go home but like a lot of the people that I was friends with there like before they left they you know they start to get like cold feet like because you know you're not going to be in this rehab bubble Are anymore you ready yeah yeah like yeah. I mean here like you don't have a choice choice. to use drugs or drink alcohol or do whatever it is that you were doing but once you leave it's entirely up to you Um, and they do start like I think probably like halfway through your stay they kind of start to talk to you about like what your plan is Mm -hmm. leaving yeah Um, and so you know there's different levels of care and your um, counselor you know makes a recommendation on what they think your aftercare plan should be. So I was recommended to go into a sober living home okay. upon leaving, um, which unfortunately, in my experience, um, I didn't find that out until literally like two days before oh, wow. I was supposed to leave. Interesting. Um, because I just, there had just been a lot of issues and like a mix up with my counselor that that's a whole other story. But so I didn't find that out. And you know, when I, when I did find that out, I was like, it made me really nervous. I was like, well, yeah. shit. Cause you think you're getting out and all of a sudden it's like, I'm getting out, but kind of. Yeah. But it's like, like I was like, is that what I need? Like she made her clinical recommendation that I should go into sober living. Do I need to do that? Yeah. But now like, you know, it's too late for them to set it up for me. But now at this point I would have to go home and then set up the sober, li- sober, sober living house on my own. Yeah. But I still have that time period between getting out and getting into that sober living period that like I I would rather have just gone straight from rehab into sober living because like I don't want to go back into the real world and like and then have to leave it again yeah yeah um so I was like really scared like she started giving me like all these you know like suggestions and options for sober living places and I kind of dabbled with it for a little while and I just I I ended up deciding against it because, you know, there's a ton of rules that come with that. Um, So I did, when I was leaving, I chose to get um, an injection that is supposed to help with alcohol cravings. Interesting. Yeah, it's called Vivitrol. 
and you get it. So they gave me like a test dose basically the night before I was getting discharged to kind of see like what your um, side effects are going to be. Your reaction, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then if it's like tolerable the next morning, like right before you leave, they give it to you. And it's basically just like a shot in your butt. <laughs> Um, and so I decided to get it because I thought it was going to be helpful. Um, and a lot of people do take it and find it helpful. I was so sick for like a week and a half. Really? Like we made it, like my mom and dad came to pick me up. We made it 10 minutes down the road. I was puking on the side of the highway. Oh no. I was so sick and I could not get out of bed for days. Um, and I was supposed to start, um, what's called, uh, IOP. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I was supposed to start IOP, um, which is like an intensive outpatient program. Okay. And I couldn't look at my computer screen. It was all virtual. Yeah. And I could not look at my computer screen long enough to, you know, like participate in it because I was so sick from the shot. I was like constantly throwing up. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink Ugh. anything. So that was a little discouraging. I, yeah. I think I stayed at my mom's house for probably another week after I got out. Um, because again, I didn't trust myself. I was scared to come back yeah. into like the real world. Um, so yeah, it was terrifying. Um, and I was also unemployed for an extended period of time, which I really honestly needed. Um, yeah, just some time to like focus on yeah, you. Yeah, like really, really badly. Um, because I, like I said, I was working in a bar before that and I was like, you know what, I'm absolutely not going back to that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I, I knew that I needed to, you know, kind of like take the time to myself to like gather yeah. my thoughts and, you know, figure out how am I going to move forward from here and, you know, basically start my life over. Yeah. So, so, so you leave and you decide against the, the sober living facility. Did you move back in with your parents for a while or did you make the decision to go right back into like your apartment that you were in prior? So I think I stayed at my mom's I want to say for probably I want to say maybe a week. A week? Okay. Um, and then I came back to my apartment and honestly it's all it's all like kind of a blur. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just like I said I remember being really scared to come back to like you know my normal like not normal living atmosphere but like what how like where I was living before just yeah. because you know it is it's the place where you know I was feeling all of those feelings and yeah. all those emotions and doing all those things that was really disrupting my life yeah um so I just like being in that atmosphere I was just very nervous to come back but which makes sense I'm glad that I did <laughs> we are sitting in that apartment now, <laughs> we, so are. we are all safe and sound everything has worked <clears throat> out and you have remained sober for how many months now um eight just eight over months. eight yeah so very just exciting eight months on the congratulations 16th. thank you that is a huge accomplishment yeah, honestly i it's crazy that it's already been eight months like yeah my whole freaking personality was like drinking and now like the fact that it's been eight months since i've had a drink it's wild to think about yeah i really i'm so proud of myself so how has how has your life changed since becoming sober like what does your life look like now that you don't have that aspect of what you're calling your personality honestly it's been super hard um just because like i said my life revolved around alcohol for a very long time um so it was obviously much 
harder at first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to love going to happy hour and going out to dinner and the social aspect. Yeah, yeah. and you know, like going going out on a Friday and Saturday night, you know, getting a bottle of wine, sitting on the couch, whatever. And so like adjusting to like, you know, finding other ways to spend my time mm-hmm. was different. And I really thought like, it's crazy. Like I think sometimes now, I used to think that I was missing out on things. If I missed like one brunch, one day drink, one night out, like it was just like crazy. Like I had to constantly go, 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 go all the time. And now my life is just like so much slower, Mm -hmm. which I'm totally fine with. Um, Like I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. My life is more fulfilling. Like I love my job. It's, you know, it's intense and it's crazy right now, obviously with COVID. but I love my job, I love my apartment, I love my roommate, I love my family, <laughs> and I'm able to, you know, I'm repairing relationships with my family mm-hmm. that, you know, probably would have continued to diminish if yeah. I hadn't have gotten help for myself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, all in all, it's been hard, but things have gotten better. Yeah. So the the hard has it's been worth it, I guess. We'll it's say. been very worth it. It's been very worth it. Like, I just I don't think I would have been able to hold a decent job had I still been, you know, drinking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's like a big thing for me. Like I look now like the job that I've been working at the hospital. <clears throat> and what what is your job? I'm a nursing assistant at Frederick Hospital. Okay. Um, I look, like, I will leave a hard day at work, and, you know, I'll complain about it. Like, everyone complains about a hard day at work, but, like, I truly love helping people, and I don't think that I would have been able to, you know, come to that conclusion that I wanted to help people had I not like seek help I had you not have helped yourself first yeah yeah like I love I love I just love helping people it's so awesome like I I love my coworkers. the atmosphere that I work in like the teamwork is just unmatched and I I really that alone just like makes me so happy to, yeah. to have in my life and you know it just yeah it makes me happy seeing how you like how happy you are just like talking about it um, so I want, I want to take some time to talk about your, your job and the experience you've had working through COVID as a nurse mm-hmm. or as a nursing assistant. Is that what your nurse title is? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not messing that up. But before we get to that point, we'll wrap the episode up with that. I want to take a moment to talk about your diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, and your experience in dealing with that, um, and what that has kind of looked like for you in terms of the mental health aspect. So, like I said, I've been seeing the same psychiatrist for upwards of 10 years, and I <laughs> I was a very misbehaved child. Okay. I was always very troubled. Um, bless my mother. I feel so sorry for her. Um, <laughs> but I just, like, it was always, always anxiety and depression but like I always knew that there was something more going on yeah because a lot of people as we all know deal with anxiety and depression but like I was just so like I'm a very impulsive person but it it come it, I take it like to a level that 
just I don't even know the a bit of an extreme yeah yeah and it was just always very abnormal and you know my my mood swings were so extreme like very very low very very high and I, that's something that I would always tell which obviously is like totally you know that's bipolar like <laughs> that's the one symptom that everyone knows it's like your moods are going up and down all the time but like I would always tell like when I was younger I would always tell my psychi my psychiatrist that and that's like really before I had been reading about bipolar disorder and then I got yeah. older and I was like you know I, he started prescribing me medication for bipolar disorder and but I was never really like diagnosed so yeah. when I would read about the medications and how they're used to treat bipolar disorder I'm like I'm confused like what's going on yeah so then when I got sober um, and I started seeing my psychiatrist regularly again um, I had done research about bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder because I was you know like I felt like I had the symptoms of both and so I, I told him like you know I have this going on and this going on and he was like well like Morgan like I've known you for you know all these years and I've been leaning towards a diagnosis of bipolar disorder it was like I don't think because like, what do you think and I was like well I think that it's definitely more bipolar disorder than it is borderline personality and he said I agree yeah so um, after I got sober I got put on lithium which is for bipolar disorder mm -hmm. and I have been taking my medications religiously and I've been taking them the way that they are prescribed mm -hmm. the way they're for eight whole it. months so that's a big accomplishment it's a huge accomplishment so I, I take that and I take Prozac and I think I've finally come to a spot where I found like that right mixture mixture yeah. of medication that's yeah. really working for me and Good. I take it right um, but it's really, it's honestly like just like relief to know like why you are the way you are. Mm -hmm. A little bit of an insight. Yeah, but not, I still don't understand it. Like I really, I mean, I still read about it and everything and mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just crazy to me, but at least I know why I am that way and I'm doing something about it rather than just letting it totally destruct my life. You know? I, and that's, that's huge because I think all of us at some point in time have noticed things about ourselves that we don't totally understand and in those moments we have a choice you have the choice to either ignore it and pretend like it's not a problem or not focus on it because you don't understand it or you can make the choice to do the hard work and understand it better and then figure out ways to support yourself and learn how to cope appropriately which is something that I dealt with I for years when we lived together even like mm -hmm. all through college I knew that there was something wrong with me yeah I absolutely knew it but I didn't feel like it was the time or place for me to to actually do the hard work and to figure out what it was right. and how to help myself at the time it was just easier for me to be like this is not a problem and I'm gonna pretend like everything's good and as long as I pretend like everything's good everything will be good and right. that is not always the case see and that's another thing is like when we were living together, like I was dealing with those problems and I didn't know what it was. And, you know, like I, I mean, you remember, like I was, like there was my highs and my lows, like mm -hmm. I was very, 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 very sad. And then I would be very, very happy. And it got to the point where, you know, I mean, I was like just totally like self-destructing and I ended up like leaving college, mm -hmm. like randomly. Yeah. Um, and. I just, I, I, I never knew. Yeah. So it's just. And like, you don't know what you don't know. Like, you just don't yeah. until, until you hear that diagnosis, until you 
go to a psychiatrist and you have that diagnosis like you're never going to know that your yeah. body your body will show you signs but like most normal people don't just go they're not self-aware enough to be like oh yeah it's bipolar disorder yeah. let me go get help for this yeah I always was just like well I'm fucking crazy so you know <laughs> like whatever um but it's yeah it's it's, it's definitely helpful. It's been better though. So now that you've been on medication and you found this like correct mixture, what changes have you seen not only in yourself but in your life in general since becoming sober, maintaining your sobriety and starting regularly on medication? A big thing that I did realize when I um, decided that I, you know, I was like, okay, I've been un unemployed long enough, like I need to find a job. Um, I always made the biggest deals about like job interviews. Okay. Um, but since I had gotten sober and since I had started taking my medication the way it was prescribed, I discovered that my anxiety is way more manageable. Good. Which is like, uh, like it was like noticeably, and I was like, wow, like yeah. I'm able to like breathe my way through this and just like talk. Like, it, like I would completely like freak out over things like that like dates yeah. job interviews like it was like life or death I was like you know like if I if I blow this interview like it's gonna be like the end like whatever like and then I, I go in and I do fine and you know it was yeah like I was fine yeah I was able to you know talk myself through it which I never was able to do before um, so that was a big thing um, and honestly well, the, so I don't mean to cut you off, no, but the, the job is a huge thing. Yeah. That is something that I know was newer for you following, you know, leaving rehab and getting this diagnosis and all that stuff. So let's, let's take some time and talk about this job and what it looks like for you, what your experience has been in, you know, <laughs> starting in healthcare mm -hmm. during COVID. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that is tough. Didn't think that one through, did I? Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that look like for you? What has that experience been? Um, I mean, honestly, I started in September and, you know, I think we all kind of thought like, okay, COVID's dying down a little bit, yeah. whatever, because there definitely was not as much like COVID presence and patients like when I first started. Yeah. Um, and then obviously as of lately, everything's been like wild. Um, I think it was in like December, um, like our, our numbers on the, the unit that I work on, I think holds like 41 beds and mm -hmm. like the numbers started to rise. Like it was like. 30 out of 41 COVID and wow. then which I thought I thought was crazy and then as it just like got worse it was just like after a couple of weeks it was like the whole entire unit is every single patient has COVID except for wow. maybe one um, and it was just like normal at that point like it, it just gotten it felt normal so quickly like you know everyone's in isolation you're you have to wear PPE in every single freaking room everyone's wearing N95s all the time yeah but it's just really I mean it's exhausting uh, for sure and it's really hard to see. I think I think you and I had a, like a very short conversation over like an Instagram DM about this. But I, yeah, we did. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I I saw this this one post. I forget who shared it. I think it might have been me. It might. I think it was, it was like you. if you're not gonna accept yeah. help from the medical field. Yeah, and then I reshared in. it because I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Like like you either trust medicine or you don't. Yeah. Yep. Like, so for those of you that didn't see the Instagram post, it was something that I had reposted from another account. Um, I can't remember the account, but essentially this post said, like, if you are choosing to not get vaccinated because you don't trust the medicine behind it, 
then why do you expect medical professionals to help save your life when you're you, in the hospital dying from COVID because you can't breathe? And I got a lot of backlash from reposting that. There were a lot of people that were like, well, because I'm refusing to get vaccinated, do you think I should die from COVID? I'm like, I don't that's think you should die. That's not what you're saying. I don't think you should die. I don't want you to die. And that's why I'm saying it's important for you to get vaccinated yeah. because I don't want you to die because I want to limit the possibility of you getting COVID and not surviving. That's what I'm saying. Um, so yes, we, we had a conversation about yeah, that. Yeah, and, and really the majority of the patients that I've taken care of are unvaccinated, mm -hmm. you know, and like they're all on oxygen because they're having trouble breathing and it's because they're unvaccinated. You know, a lot of the, the some of the patients that I've had that are vaccinated, they don't have that problem. Yeah. So it's just hard to see, um, it really is. And, and you know, it's, it's traumatizing, like seeing people, you know, that are sick and elderly and yeah. they get COVID and it kills them. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. It's really, really sad, especially I'm, I'm a very like emotional person. I don't really like show it all the time, but like it's, I mean, I, I like I said, I love my job and I love helping people, but just makes it so much harder yeah. to see all of that stuff going on. Yeah. Cause like you, you take care of like the cutest little old people, just like yeah. the sweetest, like most grateful people. And it's just like, it's so sad. It's yeah. a really hard time and, and everyone's, you know, understaffed. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So, yeah. Well, you're doing important work and regardless of if they're vaccinated or not, <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate your support. And I love support. all my patients, vaccinated or not. Vaccinated or not, you're still <laughs> valid, but we still want you to get vaccinated because then hopefully you don't have to end up in the hospital with Morgan. You can just continue living your life and maybe have a COVID experience like me where you just get sick. Like, mm -hmm. thank God, pray to the Pfizer gods. Like, I really truly believe that the only reason I had such a mild case of COVID and I am immunocompromised. I went two years without getting COVID and was so fearful that when I got it, that it was gonna full on kill me. I was just prepared that if I got COVID, I was gonna die, start writing my will, say your goodbyes, I'm headed out. Um, I got COVID on my birthday and 48 hours later was totally fine. I still quarantined for the mm -hmm. full like 10 days, didn't you know go out anywhere, do anything. But aside from having like body aches and like a little bit of a fever, I didn't have anything. Like I didn't have any bad symptoms and I truly wholeheartedly believe it's not just because of the variant or whatever that I got, it's because I was vaccinated mm -hmm. that my body had the ability to defend itself. Yeah. Um, okay, we don't need to rant too much more about the vaccine because I know that everybody's <laughs> getting it from every other angle. They don't need it from this show. So we'll kind of start to wrap things up. Um, we've talked about a lot today, but I want to leave our listeners with one thing. I want to know what advice you have for someone listening that might be struggling with their mental health or with alcohol and drug abuse. Oh gosh, um, like we said earlier, people around our age, I mean, I'm personally, I'm 26, in your 20s, it's supposed to be like normalized or is normalized to drink and, you know, go out and use drugs and do whatever it is that us 20 something people are doing. But when it's, when it's totally destroying your life, you, you might not even realize it. Yeah. I mean, it will slowly, I, I've been, I've been doing this shit since I was like 16. Yeah. Like, and it took me almost 10 years to realize that it was destroying my life and I didn't even realize it. 
because I just I thought I was just struggling with my mental health mm -hmm. but once I cut out the alcohol things got so much better and I'm able to cope and I'm able to you know deal with my depression and my anxiety in a healthy way now mm -hmm. and I just I want to say that like anybody if you even think that you might have a problem with like any type of substance abuse please reach out to me because I love talking to people about this topic it is not spoken about nearly enough and I it just recently like came to my attention that like not a lot of people know about this stuff and that they they really don't it's it's and it's scary because it's you know it's becoming more and more serious mm -hmm. especially with people around our age because of how normalized it is so just please take the time to take care of yourself and take a step back and ask yourself if what you're doing is actually normal or are you doing are you using these alcohol and these drugs to escape something or try and feel something it's it's not gonna fix your problems please reach out to me if you need someone to talk to I don't care who you are I don't please just reach out to me my Instagram DMs open are always open always open I love that especially on this topic especially on this topic is very 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 near and dear to my heart because it does run in my family and that's another aspect that's really important to look at so yeah I think that's all I have to say okay <laughs> well I love that and I think we will just leave it there Morgan thank you so much thank you for having me of course I'm so I'm happy that you were <laughs> willing to come on the show and talk about I could so, talk about this shit all day long. I know, I know you could. <laughs> and I really, I do love it because I agree with you. I think these conversations need to be happening far more than they are. That's A lot why more. I started the show. And I know sobriety, unfortunately, is almost just as taboo of a topic as mental health in general is. Mm -hmm. um, and it shouldn't be. It should not be a scary thing to not drink alcohol. Um, and one of the things I want to leave all of my listeners with today is that you should not be the friend that makes someone feel bad for not drinking alcohol. Don't be the friend that says, oh, come on, just have a glass of wine. Oh, come on, let's just go to happy hour. Oh, come on. No, if they're choosing not to drink alcohol, whether it's for the rest of their life, whether it's for the next month, whether it's just tonight, you should not be the one trying Don't to sway them from that decision. Let them do what they need to do for themselves. And if you're currently struggling with your mental health, consider taking some time off from drinking. Mm-hmm.